A very good evening to everybody. Thank you for joining our third in our series of the Parenting Chabura focused on habits. And I'd like to start off this evening with a statement from the Pella Yoetz, well-known encyclopedic work of Hashkafa, where he captures so beautifully in really just like two lines, the entire concept of habits that we've been discussing until this point. The Pelayoitz writes under the title Regilus, which is habits. All of Judaism, Yiddishkeit, depends on harnessing good habits. He says, because only the beginning is difficult. But once a person habituates himself to go in a good way, it becomes his nature. It's not hard to do. On the contrary, it's enjoyable. Because if one time he can't do it, it's going to be hard. I had this experience this weekend. I happened to have been sick and I couldn't go out. And it was painful. I have a Sunday night cheer that I love to go to. I'm davening on Shabbos, everything. I just, which I do. You're sick, you're sneezing, you're not sure. Can't go out, but it's painful. Now backtrack to a person who does not have the training to go to a shir, to go to shul, and they're just getting into it. They're just finding the sheer and they really want to go to it. You know, something like the parenting kabura on Sunday nights and it's hard to schedule because Sunday's a busy day. And then Monday, parenting kabura. So in the beginning, you get yourself into a routine. It's not easy to get into the routine. But once you're in the routine, it's actually painful to miss it. That's the Pelayoetz's uptight, if you will, his assessment of what it means to develop a good habit. The flip side, which is our topic tonight, is also true. If a person did a certain Avera and repeated it, and it becomes a habit, it becomes permitted in his eyes. And the Gemara asks, it doesn't become permitted because he does the Avera enough times. He eats shellfish enough times, it doesn't suddenly become permitted. It becomes permitted in his eyes. It's like there's no choice. This is the way we do things here. Person who gets into the habit of speaking Lashon Hara, defense mechanism. 
So it, it, it's everyone does it, but it's a bad habit. And it's not easy to get out of it. The Pelayoetz writes, if you're in a bad path, even as a person gets older and they have better judgment, they're not going to be able to abandon that path so easily. Obviously, a play on words on the Pasuk in Mishlei, the positive chinuch, the person will not stray from good. So we want to deal tonight with bad habits. How to change them. And I'd like to start that discussion with an interesting story, which I found thought-provoking and even a bit really provocative. I found the story in the book, Atomic Habits. And as I tell you always, if you are going to read different books, please read them with a critical mind. Um, the same way Lahavdil that we read Sfarim with a critical mind to understand what is it that they're telling us. So when we read, we pay attention. We don't just be a sponge and absorb whatever they say. So here's a story. The story is of a woman who was a horse trainer and she owned the business apparently and it became very stressful and she became a chain smoker. And this went on for a few years and eventually she realized this is really not good for her and she got out of the business. She sold it, she changed professions and she dropped her smoking habit, or so she thought. Over 20 years later, I don't remember in the story if it was her daughter or granddaughter, but somebody encouraged her to go horseback riding again. And she gets on the horse and instantly, a craving for a cigarette that did not exist in her life for over 20 years, suddenly overcame her with awesome intensity. And she needed a cigarette. She's on horse, she needs a cigarette. And the author draws the conclusion, apparently habits, don't change. What he means is that the pathways in the brain, the neural links, um, have a pathway there. And that pathway remains apparently forever. And I was troubled with that conclusion, with that conclusion. There's something called tshuva, come on. What do you mean it stays there forever? Now, there is some degree of basis for the statement. David says, 
my sin is before me always. Whatever that means exactly, but certainly it could be understood to mean that it will always be my vulnerability. Could be. I discussed this with a from psychologist that I happened to be sitting next to on uh, at Chalashudas after I had the week after I had read this. And he shared a phenomenal insight just to develop it together. There are two ways to pull out of a bad habit. One is to change the circumstances and the other is real avoda, to work it through. If a person changes the circumstances, then those pathways in the brain that connect one thing to the other remain. When I'm stressed, I need to smoke. So if I change the circumstances and I never get stressed again in my life, I mean, good luck in the endeavor, but let's say you can do that, then you haven't changed the neural link. One day you will get stressed and you will need whatever it is that you need to deal with that. You have your urge. But if a person does true avoda, instead of when I'm stressed, I take a cigarette. Instead of when I'm stressed, I scream. Instead of, right, I develop a different response. And this response can range anywhere from a different ill, but at least it's a lesser ill. I pop jelly beans, but I'm not smoking. Or it can be something that the person really does personal growth in an awesome way. A person can really develop. They can learn how to do deep breathing when they're stressed. Then by all means, the person is a changed person. And if the person is a changed person, then the connections in the brain change and the person's new gut reaction to that situation would actually be different. And this psychologist suggested to me in our story of this horse trainer, had she stopped smoking as a horse trainer and found other ways to cope with her stress, including lowering the stress and dealing it with it in other ways, etc then she could have eradicated that pathway in the brain because the brain would now know this does not mean cigarettes. And when she gets on the horse 20 years later, that will not be the last encoding that she left on her brain. That's real change. I see that we're out of time of my... Uh, part of the program. So I think some of the tips that I wanted to share, I will either save for the discussion if it comes up or for next week. I'll just comment 
that there is strong basis for these two different schools of thought in solving a bad habit. There's a statement in Tehillim, Kirchok Mizrach Mimarov Hirchik Mimenu Espishoeni. Like the distance from east to west, Hashem should distance us from our sins, from our temptations. That is asking Hashem for the gift of taking the problem away. It's a shortcut. That's not the real growth. The real growth is that the issue is still present over here, but I'm learning how to deal with it. There's a discussion with use of the internet. Every time you put on a filter, people figure out how to break the filter. So you have a better filter. So they break the filter as one big game. Ultimately, it's going to boil down to self-control. You can have filters to help us. But at some point, you are going to be together with whatever temptation there is, and you're going to have to be strong. And we have to have that conversation. How do we break any bad habit? And it's not just done by taking the habit away. It's really by trying to address underlying issues, what's causing the habit, and then trying to understand what it is that we can do as an alternative to address it appropriately. To be somewhat practical, I'm going to list off some um, thought-provoking uh, suggestions of how to deal with bad habits, particularly in parenting, and then we'll open it up for comments and questions. Number one, work with, not against. Always remember that you're supposed to be on the same team as the child. Um, we don't wanna be so um, adamant in our position that we take on the role that unfortunately Penina in the beginning of the book of Shmuel took on, that she was so trying to help that she ended up unwittingly causing a lot of pain. Number two, offer a substitute. If you're going to take away nail biting or whatever you're gonna take away from the child because it's a bad habit, offer a substitute, tell them what to do with themselves. Number three, try to understand where the behavior is coming from. If you notice it, you notice thumb sucking always when the child is nervous. So at a certain age, that's fine. At a certain age, it's not age appropriate anymore. Notice what's causing the behavior. Number four, praise and reward. The child is working on a bad habit. Let them feel the energy of accomplished, of acknowledgement even if it isn't perfect. Anytime there's a glimmer of success, reward it, the brain will respond. 
Number five, be discreet, which is part of being on the child's team. This is not an opportunity to vent your frustration to other family members, thereby embarrassing the child. Number six, don't overreact. Number seven, boost morale. This journey together with the child should be a positive experience where they learn to trust you and learn to take you in <laughs> in confidence what they're dealing with because then it extends and becomes a lifelong skill that they can benefit from. So those are my thoughts for tonight. And I invite you at this time to share 